Hey everybody, welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. I'm Christy Brower here with my sister, co-host, and partner in crime, Katie Weaver. Hey Katie. Hello. How's it going? Oh, it's going. <laughs> going pretty good. You and I have both had the plague and <laughs> uh yeah, still definitely still have the plague. Mm-hmm. Um not the coronavirus plague though. Just no. something else. Just a a cousin of the plague. It is equally unpleasant, unfortunately. Uh-huh. So my apologies if I cough during the show. I'm going to try really hard not to. And I do have a mute button nearby. Wow. Yeah. And I do have a cough drop in my cheek, which I usually don't do when we're on the air. But, you know, desperate times, my friends. Desperate you do times. what you got to do. I, I do. My biggest vice now is laughing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> laughing will trigger a coughing scene. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We were just watching TV and I was watching something funny and laughed and coughed. <laughs> My daughter well, told me, stop saying funny things. You're killing me. I am who I am. What can I do? <laughs> well, and we all know that when you come, when you become a woman of a certain age, mm-hmm. that you pretty much are plagued with what I like to call the cough and pee. Oh, yeah. Which, you know. I went running through the house earlier today. Ron is like, where are you going? Try to get to the bathroom before I cough again. (laughs) (laughs) I get it. It's just not right, you guys. It is uh, just not right. We had an awards ceremony last week for softball. And it was a huge auditorium full of people. And we were all three of us were just sick as hell. And no, we don't have COVID. Know that. You know, we knew that before we, you know, went went to that. And we wore masks. We were the only people in the entire auditorium in masks, and we sat completely away from everyone else. Mm-hmm. And I would try to hold my cough so that I would only cough while the audience was clapping over something. Because <laughs> you didn't want him to think you had COVID and we're coughing in there. Uh, oh, my God. My son kept looking <laughs> sideways at me, and he's like, got to knock it off. And I'm like, do we got purpose? <laughs> I can't God. help it. God damn it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a scene, but I, I tried really hard. And when it was over, I said, I was trying to only cough when people were clapping. And he said, well, do a better job. <laughs> so apparently I, I wasn't that good at it, but. Listen, oh, shithead, shut up. Yeah, we're doing the best we can over here. Now. Yeah, well, we are. And that's just all there is to it. Right. So this is a cold read for you. So when we do a cold read, uh, Katie does not know what case we are going to do. And I'm going to ask her to cold read it. I'm going to ask her some questions. This is obviously not a case she's never heard of because this is a tremendously famous case. But we've never covered it here on the show. She's probably never intentionally read it or anything. Um, So we are going to cover... The originally the murders of the DeFeo family that oh. turned into the Amityville horror. Oh, so this okay. is the this is the real story behind 
the Amityville Horror. Okay. So this starts... I do not know this story, actually. Okay. I wasn't sure how As you know, I would not go anywhere near a scary movie. (laughs) Yes, that's true. So maybe you don't. I mean, I'm sure you've heard the name. I have. Okay. So we are talking about... Well, let's just do it this way. In on November 13th of 1974, Robert DeFeo ran into a bar in Amityville, Long Island, New York, and he yelled, "You've got to help me. I think my mother and father are shot." And so he and a f- small group of people ran to 112 Ocean Avenue, which was not too far from the bar. And they found DeFeo's parents were dead inside the house. So somebody called the police and found that not only were Robert's parents dead, but also his younger, two younger brothers and two younger sisters were all dead in their beds. So this was um, Robert DeFeo Sr. and Louise DeFeo. Uh, They were both 43 at the time. Okay. And then his four siblings, Dawn, who was 18, Allison, 13, Mark, 12, and John Matthew, who was nine. Okay. All of them had been shot with a 35 caliber lever action Marlin 336 rifle. Sometime around three o'clock in the morning. Okay. So the parents had both been shot twice. And the children had been killed with single shots. Now, all of the bodies were laying face down on their beds. So they hadn't, they were kind of posed, like they weren't just dead where they were shot necessarily, but they had, some of them had been moved. And physical evidence does show that Louise and Allison were awake at the time of their deaths. I don't know how they know that. I don't, I'm not sure, but they did find them all laying face down in their beds. So this is in 1974. They'd been living at 112 Ocean Avenue since buying that house in 1965. So Ronald DeFeo Jr. or Butch, he was the oldest son, known by Butch, obviously. And he was immediately taken to the police station for his own protection, initially. And he had been suggesting to the police that maybe the killings had been done by a mob hit uh, by a man named Louis Fellini. Um, Immediately, there were some inconsistencies in DeFeo's version of events. He He told a lot of different stories. And then the next day, he confessed to killing his family himself. And the hitman was, you know, turned out the hitman that they talked about, the the mob guy, who actually had an alibi. He was out of state, probably killing someone else. I don't know. (laughs) Um, DeFeo said, once I started, I just couldn't stop. And it went so fast. He did admit that he had taken a bath and changed clothes and 
then he had gone to work. And so it was after work that day. So consider this. He killed his entire family. Goes, gets dressed, goes to work, comes home from work, supposedly goes home and finds his parents dead, mm-hmm. runs to the bar, starts the whole supposed alibi. Right. So there were a lot of stories. He told a lot of different stories. Yeah. Um, but there was talk of an insanity plea for him. He did talk about hearing his family members talk around him and talk about him and that he could hear their voices plotting against him. He also said that there was a demon telling him to kill them. And so there was a lot of question about his, you know, his sanity. Um. So there was a psychiatrist that supported the insanity plea. That was Daniel Schwartz. Um, also, DeFeo was known to use heroin and LSD. And so it was very hard to know. You know, he could have been hearing those voices and things because of the drugs. Yeah. Um, he also had been diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder. Oh. And that the, the prosecution's uh, psychiatrist said... He knew exactly what he was doing at the time of the crime. Right. So he was found guilty on all six counts of second degree murder. Uh And he was given six 25 to life uh, sentences. Uh And he was in the Sullivan Correctional Facility in Fallsburg, New York, until he died in March of this year. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he lived in prison for a very long time. Yeah. Um, some of the other stories that he fe- that he told. Let's see. There were several interesting things that kind of went on around all of this. One strange thing was that there didn't appear to be any sign of struggle on any of the bodies. And they never found that he used any kind of silencer. He used a rifle. And. They did find, um, they weren't so sure, but they thought maybe there was some a sedative that had been administered because it was strange. Like, if you start firing a gun like that and shooting people in your house, it's going to wake up the rest of his family, you know? Yeah. He said that he did drug them, but the op- autopsy reports were kind of inconclusive uh-huh. on that. They They couldn't prove it for sure. Nobody in the neighborhood reported gunshots when this happened. Uh One neighbor reported hearing their dog barking. So they thought that was very strange, you know, that why none of them, you know, none of them got out of bed when this all Uh happened and no one heard the sound. That's quite a few shots. So at one, yeah, he fired nine shots total. Yeah. So, you know, he he came up with all these weird stories. At one point, he said his sister Dawn did it, that it was her idea. Um, oh, that she killed her dad and then her mom, their mom was so upset that she killed all their siblings. And he, he just told all these oh, crazy, boy. crazy stories. But 
you know, there was all this stuff about that there was this this demon in the house that told him to do it. And it was the demon that was with him that took him from room to room to to shoot them all. And, you know, there's all this all this stuff, right? Yeah. And of course, this is, you know, super sensationalized because um turns out Amityville, which, you know, is a if you don't know, is also famous for um the movie Jaws. Oh. And it's right there, you know, on the ocean. And yeah. it's kind of a it's kind of a well-to-do place. Uh, low crime. I mean, having this kind of a this kind of a murder is just unheard of there. And so it was all over in the news, right? Sure. So finally, you know, he's convicted and sent off to prison pretty quickly. Yeah. So then we have what happens with the house. So this is the house. This is, what was it, 112 Ocean Drive? So this is 112 Ocean Drive. And there is, so the actual Amityville horror that has been several books and several movies. Yeah. um, Is actually the story of the Lutz family. So in December of 1975, they bought the house at 112 Ocean Avenue. And they bought it knowing full well what what had happened in it. It wasn't like it was a big secret or anything. Right. They bought the house fully furnished. And it was the furnishings of the DeFeo family. Yeah. They literally put their kids in the beds that the other kids had been murdered in. I mean. What? Yeah. Oh, God. I know. Very, very strange very, very strange choices. So the Lutz family only lived in the house for about 28 days. Now, a lot of this that I'm about to tell you is very controversial about whether it actually happened or not. Uh Um, But the family claims that they had some um, very scary experiences. So first of all, they, they decided to have the house by a priest as they moved in um, because, you know, because of the murders. Maybe they should do something, right? So it's said that the priest had a really scary experience, but he didn't want to freak them out. So he didn't say anything. By the way, the house had a big sign in the front of it that said, High Hopes. And it was there when the DeFeos lived there. And then it was still there when the Lutzes bought it. So they can't be bothered to replace the beds that the children were murdered in. But they can call the priest. Apparently. So this was kind of the wife's thing. The husband wasn't Catholic, didn't really understand it. But they called in a priest to clear, you know, to cleanse the house, basically. Have it blessed. The priest had a scary experience while he was blessing the house, but he didn't want to freak them out, so he didn't tell them, supposedly. So then George Lutz, the dad, would find that he would wake up at 3.15 a.m. every day, which is about the time that the DeFeo murders occurred. Right. 
And he would hear noise, hear loud noises, um, be really freaked out, be sure there was someone in the house, be hearing or seeing things that no one else heard or saw. Then their daughter, Missy, started speaking to an imaginary entity named Jody. And Jody just started hanging around with Missy all the time. And that was really freaking them out. Then Kathy, the mom, claimed that she woke up and she was levitating above her bed and that she actually had some injuries on her body from that. So they make it for 28 days in the house. And at that point, you know, they've tried to tell some people that there's some scary stuff going on in the house. They most of the people in their lives are like, uh, oh, OK, whatever, you know. So on January 14th of 1976, they just had had it and they left the house and they left all their possessions behind. Uh, following a night that they have kind of talked about, but not really talked about. One of the things is that they've kind of talked about what happened in the house, but not 100 percent. Um, And they never went back to the house. Now, they say that they brought in several um, trans mediums and paranormal uh, investigators, some guy who called himself a demonologist, to work on the house, you know, to see what they could figure out. But here's where it gets weird, because almost immediately, they start working with um, somebody who's writing a book about the house and they start working with reporters and, you know, a bunch of stuff. And initially they said that they actually talked with the defense attorney for DeFeo because they wanted to say, they wanted to basically stand witness that, Hey, what he's saying is true. The house is evil and demonic. It must have made him kill his family, that kind of stuff. So they were kind of working together on that for a little while. And then that all fell apart. And then before you know it, there's somebody writing a book about the Lutzes. And then there's movie deals about the Lutzes. And there's all this stuff that make people start to question did any of this really happen? Or was this a taking of taking advantage of the situation? Right. Um, the attorney for DeFeo says we had this plan. We were going to basically make this up so that we could, because it, it was going to help get, um, DeFeo a new trial or get, you know, something like that. And that they created it. They say, no, absolutely not that it all happened for real. One of the things that's really interesting is that um, one of the, one of the Lutz's children, Daniel, has talked a lot about his experiences there. And of course he was a little kid, so he would only know what his parents told him. And that he, um, you know, blames all of it on the stepdad and fully believes that it's all real. Uh Because all he has is, but he says his stepdad um, 
George was involved in Satanism and doing all, you know, doing some kind of scary stuff even before they moved into the house. Uh-huh. Um, strangely, uh, Snopes, the fact-checking website, uh-huh. has um, worked on this case. Because <laughs> of course like, they have. As they do, I don't know. But they have called the Lutz's experiences entirely false. So, we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, I have several questions for you about the Amityville Horror House and just the whole experience all around. Life is complicated. The last year has been so hard on sensitive people. So many uncertainties and so much heavy energy to wade through. People are working on jobs and relationships, energy work, self-development, and health. So why call me? Because my clients are my family. When you invite me onto your team, I will do all that I can to help you shift from a place of surviving to a place of thriving. I can help you shift from uncertainty, stress, fear, lack into a place of joy, peace, clarity, and abundance. Give me a call. Katie Weaver, Professional Psychic Advisor, over at 12listen.com. And we're back. So, this is Christy Brower here with Katie Weaver here on True Crime Paranormal. We are talking about the DeFeo family murders and the Amityville murder house. Um, so I have some questions for Katie. First of all, when it comes to Robert DeFeo Jr., who murdered his entire family in that house, you know, one of his claims was that he heard voices, that he heard a demon telling him to do what he did, amongst many other claims. But I would like to know, because it's not outside the realm of what you and I believe in the work that we have done. Sure. Do you feel like there was some kind of entity involved with DeFeo? I do. Okay. I do. He was a drug user, a hard drug user. Mm-hmm. And you and I have both seen many times people with addiction issues like that. Yeah have horrible attachments mm-hmm. of dark entities. Um, and, and you and I have both had other clients who have had experiences, not where they murdered their whole families, but where they were frightened by the energy that was around them, by the things that they heard, by the things they experienced. Yeah. yeah. Do I think he had some psychological problems? Oh, yes. Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. I think that what we had with DeFeo was a really bad cocktail of things wrong with him, you know. Mm-hmm. And also that uh, antisocial diagnosis, that's scary, you know. Mm-hmm. That's scary. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but people that have been diagnosed antisocial typically don't have much of a conscience, correct? Right, right. Yeah. They don't. And so, you know, I, I feel like with him, there was a bad combo of things. But do I feel like he had a dark entity? Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah. Okay, so 
And I agree with you. I feel like he did. Um, you know, the interesting thing that we know about dark entities is that they stay with people until they die, generally, unless they're right. cleared by someone like you or I. Exactly. And he, and he just died in March of 2021. Right. So, so that was <laughs> with him, not in the house. Right. So when it comes to the Lutzes and the Amityville Horror House and the stories they told and everything, what do you think? I do think that stepdad was trying to recreate something. Mm-hmm. I feel like he moved into that house hoping to either have those kinds of experiences or attract those kinds of experiences or just by God lie about him because this was always some kind of an attention getting scheme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm sick for the, the children in that family because the level of, well, to me, it's abuse, you know, to put those kids yeah. through what they did. I, it's just, it's so gross. It, I think it's horrifying. But, and I'm also disgusted by the excitement and glee I feel from the, the, the dad and the family about having the opportunity to move into this house. Oh, yeah. Can it was a, it was a pretty good deal it? financially. You oh, know, sure was it like, was. We're going to take it. This will be a great deal. Can you imagine laying your children into bed at night in beds that children were murdered in? Can you imagine oh, no. doing that? When just living with the furniture and, and all of yeah. the things. Why, and why didn't these people have any furniture and stuff of their, of their own? own. Why yeah. were they buying a furnished house? Yeah. No. All of it. So all sketchy. It. Mm-hmm. No, I feel like there was a plan all along here too. I don't know if I fully agree with the attorney that this was the, that, you know, that this was, that it had anything to do with helping his client. That, it, mm-hmm. that doesn't really resonate with me as true. But the idea that they had intended on moving into this house uh, to make money off of it, yes, that is entirely what they did. Yeah. Yeah. Now, was the house got some awful energy? Yes. Yes, it does. And is it possible that the priest did have a scary experience there or was pretty weirded out by the house? I agree with that. Totally. Was the home of a murder of six people. Of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But do I think that they had the level of, uh, you know, terror and haunting there that they told the world? No, I absolutely don't. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, I agree with you. I agree with you all the way across the board. That was exactly <coughs> my sense was that DeFeo did have an entity, but that entity would have gone with him to prison and stay in the house. That's not right. how that works. Absolutely. Very strange, um, you know, that there are so many horror films and movies based upon the story of the house. Do you remember part of that? house was that maybe it was built on an Indian burial ground. Oh, yeah. That's where that story came from. You know how we've heard that stuff before? Oh, yeah. Um, And I'm not saying that sometimes it isn't true. It could be. Oh. But that is an excuse but you'll hear for... That. People will be like, this house, everything breaks in this house. It must be built on an Indian burial ground. It became oh, like a there thing you to go. say. Yeah. That is where that started, is with the Amazon. Wow. Yeah. Ugh. I know. 
a lot of really famous paranormal stuff comes yeah. out of this story uh-huh. that is friggin' fake. Uh-huh. The Lutzes are both dead now. Their children are still around, and their son Daniel, of course, has talked about his experiences. And of course, as a child, if your parents tell you this stuff's happening, then you, you oh, think yeah. it's happening, and it's scary as hell. Of How would you know? Oh, that's yeah. so easy to implant in a kid, you know. Oh, it is. So easy. And just terrible. Why would you do that to your children? Jesus. Well, yeah, that's easy to, you know. Did you hear what happened last night? Well, let me tell you. Well, you were sleepwalking, mm-hmm. but this is what you did. Or, you know, I mean, this is just, yeah. that, that's not, I, that isn't proof to me. Yeah. No, it's not at all. I know. Well, thank you. We've had some people ask. So this actually is a, a listener suggestion. We've had some people ask what we think of the Amityville Horror. And of course, you know, the underlying story, the actual story is the murder of the DeFeo family, which is a yeah. horrifying, a horrible, horrible murder uh-huh. that, you know, destroyed a family, really destroyed a community. It was yeah. incredibly hard on Amityville, you know, it was so unexpected and, you know, then it all got mixed up with this crazy stuff that the Lutz family said. And, you know, it created this crazy, you know, mythology around paranormal stuff that has carried on, you know, this happened in 1974, the murders did. And then the Lutz family bought the house in 1975. So this has been going on for 45 years. I know wow. that because I was born in 1975. I am 45. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, I don't know. Just very interesting to think about, like, how the way that this story was represented in media yeah. has affected the way that the world sees paranormal experiences. Yeah. It's all in there, you guys. Yeah. A bunch of BS. So. It's interesting on that front because you have to wonder, had stories like this not happen, how we would view paranormal activity. Because here's the thing, mm-hmm. paranormal activity does happen. Right. You know, it, we're not saying it doesn't. It does. We've seen lots of things in both of our lifetimes to back that up and yeah. working with lots of people who have had experiences and I fully, you know, believe that paranormal activity happens but when we define it a certain way that uh in a way that isn't even actually factual you know when we're already talking about something that is uh, very hard for people to wrap their heads around it it definitely creates a narrative that it's it's hard to get away from it does it does it creates this perception you know this this um filter that we're all seeing it through and yeah Uh that's where a lot of this came from is this story. So fascinating. It is. It is fascinating. It's unfortunate that the that the you know horrendous murders of this family were hijacked by these con artists. <laughs> you know, and yeah. we ended up with this bizarre story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, definitely. There you have it, you guys. You wanted us to do Am- Amityville Horror and the DeFeo murder- murders, and boom. There you have it. Oh, yeah, we have. Yeah.
Well, it is Wednesday, so this is our third third case of the week. And we will be live tonight with case updates. Yes, at seven we have some interesting ones. Yeah. We do have some interesting ones, and we have an update in a case that I talked about last week that is a is a uh, death row situation here in Idaho. And there's been an update on that since I talked about it last week. So, yeah, we've got a lot of good stuff to share there. Good. Then we'll be back on a Thursday with the Psychic Hour. These Our live streams are always at 7 p.m. Wednesday and Thursday, yeah. 7 p.m. Mountain. Uh-huh. And then, of course, we'll be back this weekend with some pop-ups. So. Yeah. We appreciate y'all being here. Don't forget, you can send us a case by going to truecrimeparanormalpodcast.com. And you know it. This has been True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Thanks, everybody. Take care. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can always like and subscribe there as well. We also love comments and reviews. True Crime Paranormal is hosted by Katie Weaver and Christy Brower and produced by Christy Brower. True Crime Paranormal is 